Hey, this is Jen, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adults Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're going to be in John 6 tonight, so if you want to open up your Bibles or your phones, um, and I'm going to read that passage, um, and then Cass is actually going to preach to us um, and teach us what that passage is saying. Jesus feeds the 5,000. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down, or sorry, said, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down and about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Father, thank you so much for tonight. I pray um, just as Cass preaches your word and as we're sitting here and we are um, receiving the word and this teaching that you would do exactly what you want to do in our hearts and in this space, um, and that we would walk away um, knowing more about you, that the scripture is teaching us, and that your kindness would truly lead to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks, Jade. Hi. Uh, It is so good to be with you. I am so excited. Tonight, my main goal is to convince you that Jesus is more than sufficient. Um, And we're going to talk about what that means and what that might look like in our lives and in this passage. But what's funny is I've had like a month to prepare for this. Amazing. I've had a great time studying, uh, devoing, reading all the commentary. It's been bliss. But in the final week before tonight... It's where I have to take all my ideas and I have to put them all together and make a cohesive message that somebody is going to understand. And God was like, what? What is, how, what's the best way for me to prepare Cass for this message? And he said, cold, a cold. And so uh, the beginning of this week, I was so tired and drainage, like crazy, coughing, uh, like to the point where, you know, when, you know when you're like so tired and you try to squeeze your hands and then you feel like you need to go into a coma? Like that feeling in your, in your arms that are just like, you're just like, I can't, please don't ever do that again. 
Like you just don't have any strength. And so early in the week, I was sitting right over there and I was like, I gotta put this message together. So I got my Bible, got my tablet, I got my notes. I got everything that I ever need. And I've got a blank page in front of me and I'm like, uh, sufficiency, uh, you sufficient, we insufficient. Okay, like I got nothing. And I'm like, how am I supposed to make a message if I can't even make a full sentence in my brain? And so I decided to give up. I wrote a little, I wrote a little outline uh, that I thought was sufficient at the time, but when I looked back, I had just written intro, uh, talk about verse four, talk about verse 10, conclude. That was my whole outline, and I thought I, thought I was living the dream, okay? And so I went home, and I tried to take a nap, but I was like, that, you had that tickle in the back of your throat, and so every time I got comfortable, I was like, <clears throat> and I couldn't sleep. So I couldn't do that either, so I was just laying in my bed, and I was like swirling in my own self-doubt, just like staring at the ceiling, because recently I, I had spoken elsewhere, and I had a terrible time doing it. I had never been so uncomfortable on stage, and there was just a lot. There's a lot of spiritual warfare involved. There's a lot going on there, but I was just sitting in bed and I was like, it's gonna happen again. I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna have a terrible time and, and I'm, I'm just gonna have a breakdown after and, and whatever. And so uh, I truly believe that God was like a cold. That's how I'm gonna prepare you. Because the reality of it is, is that as I was preparing, I felt like I was at peak performance. And when we obey God, it is not about us being at peak performance. Right? He's like, it's not about your fancy preparations. It's not about your cool study habits. It's not about your talents, or your skills, or how well you know your Bible. Because listen to me, I have not done a devotional. I don't know if I should admit this. I, I haven't done a personal devotional in the New Testament in four years. Okay? I am obsessed with the Old Testament. I just, I love it to death. But they did not ask me to come up here because I am uh, an expert on John. Because I'm really not. Right? And so... Sorry, I scrolled too far. So we like to focus. So I'm focusing, I'm preparing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, people are gonna be so impacted by this word from you. I'm so excited. And sometimes we forget that God also wants to work in us. Like when he calls us to do something, he also wants to work in us. And sometimes that involves exposing us to our sin and our wayward motivations, not to shame us, but to have us run back into his arms, prodigal son style. And so the point being, I am very insufficient and I will beat you over the head with that. I really want you to know. <laughs> but when I walk in obedience, his power is made perfect in my weakness because he is more than sufficient. And that's our point tonight. And this is also what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. And they're having a hard time understanding it, um, just like I do. And so we're gonna look through this, we're gonna look through this, John 6, 1 through 15, um, and we're gonna look at what it means for Jesus to be sufficient. Um, and this is the only miracle that Jesus has, no, 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 this is the only miracle that is in all four gospels. And I was like, that can't be true. And it is, so um, shows you what I know. Nothing, I know nothing. Okay. Um, so in the other three gospels, right before this, we find that John the Baptist was just beheaded. So we pick up in John 6 with Jesus pulling away to be by himself, most likely pulling away to be alone in his grief because he just found out that somebody he loves and cares about has been beheaded. 
And so we pick up with him and he's pulled away and his disciples come and meet with him and they have, it's kind of like a debrief vibe. Um, they're like telling them, they're like telling him how much they've done and we've healed these people and we taught this and they're just kind of having a little, a little degroup time. And uh, there's this crowd coming. There's this crowd following them because Jesus has been doing all these miracles and teaching and healing the sick and these people like sheep are just following him. And some are quite adamant. If you look at, I think it's in Mark, it says that some of them knew where they were going and they ran and beat them there. Okay, these are like BTS stands. They are no joke. So they want to know more about Jesus. And really, they want to be healed and they want to be provided for. And they follow Jesus all this way with no food and no means for food, right? Spoiler alert, because he needs to feed them. But this is great faith though. I mean, they might not be there for Jesus. They might not be there for the person of Jesus. They might be there just to be provided for, but what great faith for them to just wander into a desolate place with no food. Imagine being in the back of this group, right? 5,000, meaning 5,000 families. So we're looking at more like 10 to 15,000. Imagine being at the back. Like, are you even getting any of the teaching? There are no microphones. Like, you're going and you're like, I need to be healed. And they're like, take a number. And you're like, I'm 9,792. Like, I don't really know if he's ever going to get to me. This is a big crowd. And yet they still follow him. And so, um, so this is the crowd that's approaching. But then, that's verse three. But then John kind of gives us this strange left field comment right? Verse four, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. And then he just picks right back up with the story. And so I was reading this and I was like, whoa, whoa, back it up. Why? Why, why are you telling me this? Why do you, and when we're studying our Bible and we, we get to like an extra detail, like the, the writer told you way too much, like way more than you need to know. And you're like, okay, why is that important? Right? And so all we have to do is we, have to just, we just have to ask ourselves, why is, the, why is the Passover important here? And so the Passover, as you may know, is a festival of celebration that's in remembrance of Israel's exodus from Egypt. It's based on the 10th plague, where they sacrificed a lamb, put the blood over the doorposts, um, and then God came through, and anyone who didn't have the blood on their doorposts, their firstborn son was killed. And so the Pharaoh's firstborn son was killed, and that's what... Uh, he finally released Israel, right? And we did a Passover thing. How many of you were at the Passover thing at Young Adults where we ate and did that? Amazing. So grateful for all the volunteers that made that happen. Uh, that was the first time that I had tried horseradish. Also the last time <laughs> that I have tried horseradish. But if you were there, you, you have a little bit more context on Passover. Um, and so this is giving us a little bit of a setting on what's on the Israelites' minds. This is, it's coming soon. So they're thinking in terms of sacrificial lambs. They're thinking in terms of redemption. They're thinking in terms of a new Moses who will come, because right now they're under Rome. And so they're, they're looking for someone who is gonna free them from Rome in the way that they were freed from Pharaoh. And what they don't understand is that Jesus is not here to forcefully free them from Rome, right? We see in the last verse, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, 
They were looking for a Moses. They were looking for a Joshua, someone to lead them into success and independence and power. But Jesus has come as John the Baptist, as his testimony was, behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. He, he has come to be sacrificed, not to be raised up on an earthly throne. And the Passover lamb was sufficient for one year's time. Did it year after year after year. But Jesus is sufficient for all the sins in all the world forever. He has come to fulfill the rituals of the Passover. And, and this, is, this is what John is like reminding us of. He's like, this, this story that you're about to read is not just about a free, easy meal. There's something much deeper going on here. Jesus wants us to, do, wants us to know so much more. Jesus is more than sufficient to save you forever. And so this is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. This is a little bit a part of their curriculum, right? Because he went to Philip. He went to Philip. Sorry about that. So choked on my own spit. Um, <laughs> he went to Philip, right? And it's smart to go to Philip to ask about the area because Philip is actually from this area. But he wasn't asking Philip because Philip knew best. He was asking Philip because he wants to grow Philip's faith. And he goes to Philip and he's like, hey, where should we buy bread to feed all of these people? And Philip's like, don't even worry about where, because we're surrounded by little villages who do not have the supply and demand for 15,000 people, okay? He's like, with what money? <laughs> not even eight months wages could everyone have a little. Could everyone have just a bite? And then Andrew pipes up and he's like, hey, hey, just took a survey. We got five loaves and two fish. So the disciples are like, we get it, we get it. You wanna feed them, but it's just not possible. And observe, right? The disciples have watched this man turn water, water in a bathing chamber into an excessive amount of expensive tasting wine, okay? They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him raise people from the dead. And they look at this situation and they're like, ah, no, it's not, it's not possible. So we should just send them away. Send them away, Jesus. And I can't tell you how many times I do this, particularly when it comes to myself. I, I struggle, I don't know about you, but I struggle with low confidence, um, and so when I look at a situation and it looks too big, I'm like, God, that's a little too much. Uh, I don't have enough for that. I tell, I tell God, I tell him what needs to be done in this situation in order for it to happen, yeah. right? And when, when we don't believe that Jesus is sufficient, not just to save us, but to take us through our day to day, we become our own source of sufficiency. And this shows in two big ways. The first big way is we swell up with pride. We become self-righteous, taking credit for the good things that only come from God. Every good and perfect thing comes from God. We get on that grind. We think we deserve it. We worked for it. We earned it. We deserve more. And we forget about God. And the second thing is we wallow. This is my favorite. We wallow in our insufficiency being held back by our own self-contempt. We shut down, we give up, we make excuses, we hide in shame, we drown in regret, reliving our worst moments over and over and over. 
We become our own source of sufficiency and sometimes we think that that's a really good thing and sometimes we think, oh no, I'm not good enough for this. And what's right, right? What's right is somewhere in the middle. We shouldn't be prideful and self-degrading. We should be humble and confident. What's right is to surrender our insufficiency and live in dependence on the most high, most sufficient God. When we are our own source of sufficiency, we think that we have become independent from God. But when we are living in truth, we are confident yet humble and we are joyfully dependent on Jesus. And typically a symptom of self-sufficiency is a lack of prayer. Okay, I know I just called a bunch of you out. Me too. I am struggling with prayer right now. Um, Typically, we don't think we need him that much in our day-to-day. Or we've given up and we find the situation hopeless. Or we're too busy figuring out what we should have said in that argument or in that situation. We're in the shower and we're just like, all right, if they said this, I'm going to say this. If they say this, I'm going to say this. You know what I'm saying? You know that I do it because it came from my brain just now. Or we're just dissociating something that we love to do. I, I get on TikTok, I'm like, my brain hurts. My brain's so tired, I'm just gonna get, get on TikTok for just a second. It's never just a second. So either we leave him behind or we forget that he's an option or we give up or we're distracted by something else. And so when we think we are sufficient in and of ourselves, we do not pray. For example, I am someone, if you uh, were around me when I was an intern with students, you would hear me probably say, I'm just someone with low capacity. I said that a lot, okay? And I'm a, little, I'm a little annoyed with myself. And it is kind of true, like I am an introvert, I struggle with fatigue, and so when my, when my schedule's super busy, like I just can't make it throughout the day. Like I just really struggle. But then, you know, if I don't have anything in my schedule, I'm a total slug, so I can't, I can't win, it feels like. Um, But I started two new jobs recently. And so I'm a varsity coach, I'm a varsity volleyball coach. And so I'm meeting all those girls and their parents and that staff. That's like 60, 70 people. Uh, I'm a volleyball coach and I coach a club. So I have two new teams plus their parents, plus all that staff. We're at a couple hundred people now. And I've been, I've been joining along with Mosaic Young Adults, which I've had a great time meeting all of you. So I've got all of you adding to the list. And here's the thing, my capacity was reached during the interviews. And so uh, I was a little worried, okay? But here's the thing, I've been having a wonderful time. I've been having a, I've been, I've been doing really, really well. But that's because God has stretched my capacity to accomplish his purposes in and through my life. You know how many times this year that I have had an existential crisis where I've pulled back and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I'm doing this. Like, it's like all of a sudden I'm in a car in outer space and there's like an asteroid attack. And I'm like, all of a sudden I open my eyes and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm not experienced for this. I'm going to crash. I can't do this. And there are other times where I walk in the gym and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, I'm the coach. I know the most. Listen to me. And I've only been coaching, this is my third year coaching, okay? I don't know that much, but I feel like I do. And people try to tell me what to do and I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's cute. (laughs) Really funny. (laughs) Shut up, okay? I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. And so we tell God how he's gonna use us 
The disciples in the other accounts of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, they go to him and they say, tell them to go away. Tell them to go fend for themselves because that's the only way this is gonna go down. We're like, Jesus, I need you to make meeting people really easy and fun because I'm shy and I just don't, I don't do small talk. So I need you to make them interesting so that I stand involved. Jesus, I need you not to call me into solitude because I'm an extrovert and that's just not how I work. I don't know how extroverts work. Is that true? <laughs> I've never been one. Okay, anyways, sorry. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to include everyone and I don't know what it's like to be an extrovert. I need you to not call me. I need, you to, I need you to make four hours of sleep a night work because I am just a busy person and I don't want to make time for rest. If God wanted me to work out, he'd make it easy. You see, you see, God, this, this is who I am, and you need to figure my life accordingly. You need to call me accordingly. And Jesus, in this passage, is not saying, I want to provide you with free, easy meals. He's saying, I want to fill you up. So I go to Jesus with my five loaves and two fish. I go to Jesus with my low capacity, and I'm like, listen, this is all I have. <laughs> okay? This is all I have, and it's just not enough. All I have is low capacity. Maybe all you have is a basic understanding of the gospel. And you've got people over here who believe one thing. You've got people over here that believe another thing. And these people, they have religious leaders who agree with them. And they have religious leaders that agree with them. And you're like, Jesus, all I have is that I know that you love me. And I really don't know what else to do. All I have, all I have is this heart for you. And sometimes not even that. And Jesus' response Jesus' response. Uh, I'm going to skip over to the account of Matthew. Let me find it. Verse 16. Jesus said, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Bring it here to me. That's all you got? Bring it here to me. And this is the surrender part. And a lot of the times we, it sounds nice, right? We're like, oh, bring it to Jesus? All right, that's easy, I'll do that. I'll bring it to him. We don't realize that surrender is very difficult sometimes. When I was in college, I was at a conference, and at the time, uh, I had just, this guy had just broken up with me, we had dated for a month, and I was really struggling with that because it was one of those situations where I thought that I was the only one good enough to love him. And he thought he was, well, I thought he was, like, if he didn't love me, who else would? And if I didn't love him, who else would? Because he was a mess, right? And so I'm at this conference, and the speaker is like, all right, we're going to do this surrender exercise. Uh, we want you to close your eyes and pretend like you're carrying all your burdens. And then you're going to imagine Jesus standing in front of you, and I want you, to, I want you to place your burdens in front of, at his feet. And I'm a good audience member, so I did that. I was like... I was like, all right, cool. And I put everything down. But then, bear with me, brains are really weird, so I'm gonna try to explain this. Um, so then she started speaking again. So I go back to the speaker, but the, the vision of Jesus in front of me with my stuff at his feet was still, it was still there in the back of my mind, right? So it's like the futuristic, you know, you bring up all the screens and they're like moving it around in the air. So like I was watching the speaker, but the screen of Jesus with all my burdens at his feet was still in the back of my mind. And I watched myself subconsciously. I didn't really, there was no action in me doing this. It just kind of happened. I watched myself do this. 
I started picking them back up immediately after, but it was subconsciously. So I, I didn't even like, I didn't even register it as a thing until later I was in devotional time and the Holy Spirit was like, how'd you think that went? And I was like, it was so good. I surrendered to you and it was so amazing. I put all these things down and I, I'm just such a good daughter, aren't I, you know? And he, the Holy Spirit was like, that's funny. And he brought that back to the front of my mind. And I looked and there was nothing at his feet. And I was like, I put stuff there. You know what I'm saying? And I looked down and I was white knuckling. I was white knuckling this boy and the rest of my burdens. And Jesus was like, hey, why don't you give those back to me? And I was like, oh, but what are you gonna do with it? You know? <laughs> what are you gonna do with it? And so it took a little bit more fighting, but I finally put them back down. And the next morning, guess what? I woke up and I had them again. I don't even know, I don't even know when it happened. Sometimes in my dream, I picked them back up. And so that morning I had to put them back down and it was frustrating because it's like, I wanna give it to you. And sometimes we think that it's like, I, I, it would be so much easier if you just showed me what you were gonna do with it, right? It's like that, that meme that I saw on Facebook back when I was in high school, TBT to Facebook. Any of you on that anymore? Shouldn't be, uh, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, it's a little meme of the little girl with the, with the bear. And God is like kneeling in front of her with a bigger bear behind his back. And he's like, give it to me, you know? It's like that. And it's like, um, it's like, okay, she would give it to you. Just show it to her, you know? Just show her the bigger bear. Oh, my screen just turned off. Sorry. Anyways, um, and I mean, bears, you know, have sentimental value. So maybe that's not great. So think you have $5 in your bank account. And Jesus got some behind his back and he's like, give it to me. And you're like, what you got behind your back? Homelessness? I don't know. I don't know if I want to give it to you. But then, but then if, Jesus, if Jesus were to like, he brings out a million dollars and you're like, you take Venmo or Cash App? Like you could take the five. You can. But that's not how Jesus works. And also just because you give to God doesn't mean you're going to get a thousand dollars in return. This is not what we're talking about. If you, if you take that from this message, if you say, if I give Jesus five, I'm going to walk away rich. If you take that from this message, I won't do anything physical, but I'll be very upset with you. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing we can get, when we, when we go into scripture, we know that Jesus will accomplish his purposes. And so we just need to figure out what his purposes are. And then we get a vague sense of what he might do with us. And it might not be what we think it is. And so let's see what Jesus does in here, okay? Verse 10, Jesus said, first he says, bring it here to me. Then he says, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Does this ring a bell to you at all? I mean, earlier in the other gospels, he referred to them as sheep, and now he's having them sit down in a green pasture. And this word sit isn't just like a regular, like plow a squat sit, it's like recline, because in this culture, when they're about to feast, they recline around the table, right? And so now we have a bunch of sheep in a big green pasture, and he's telling them to sit. To me, I think of Psalm 23, which says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. When a sheep lays down in a green pasture, it's full. Because if that sheep was hungry, it would be eating. 
A sheep being led beside quiet waters is not thirsty. If it was thirsty, it would be drinking. And so Jesus, first rabbi, has now become shepherd. And he's saying, have a seat. Give that here to me, have a seat and be ready to be filled. I'm about to fill you up. Surrendering your weaknesses and your insecurities and your hardships and your needs and your wants is not our first response, but it should be. When we have Jesus, who is more than sufficient, when we bring to him all that we have, which might be nothing, we bring it to him, and we're like, this is all I have and it's not enough. He says, bring it to me and have a seat and watch. Watch what I'm gonna do. And this doesn't mean, again, this is not about a free, easy meal. This is not about God just handing you life on a platter. You will lack. You will struggle. You will be in need. You will get things wrong, which terrifies me. But our hope lies in the Spirit's ability to guide us and remind us and ultimately transform us so that we might learn to surrender more and more to God's sufficiency. Sooner and sooner when we're facing a trial. And this comes from experience, right? God labors for our faith. You're not just gonna, you're not just gonna find a trial and you're gonna be like, oh, I trust God. Probably not. I mean, if you do, that's great. I'm really glad for you. But we have to see, we're humans, we're sheep. We have to see that God is gonna be faithful day by day by day before we start understanding that it's true, that he is sufficient. I'm about to wrap up, but before I do, uh, I think a wonderful example of this comes from Paul. And so I'm gonna read to you Philippians 4, uh, starting in verse 11. It says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, so does Jesus, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, so has Jesus. Abundance and need, so has Jesus. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse, this verse is Philippians 4.13, highly misused. This does not mean I can win sports games through Christ. This means I can endure and praise God even though I lose even though I'm hungry, I can be content. Verse 19 says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Also, I'm gonna look at uh, 2 Corinthians 12, seven through 10. Paul says this, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he should leave me, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus' blood 
His sacrifice is sufficient to cover you, saving you from sin and death. Sorry. Making you innocent and blameless for eternity. Jude 24 says that he presents you blameless before the Father with great joy. Not, oh, here's this one that I picked up off the street, but they kind of love me, so... There you go, he's blameless now. No, with great joy, dancing and singing, this one is mine. And here's the thing, he's not just more sufficient than you, he is most sufficient. He doesn't just do it better, he does it best, okay? He's more than sufficient for your day-to-day needs. He's more than sufficient to fill you up. Your life is overall secure in him. Are you getting that, that vibe? He's more than sufficient to take care of the big picture sin and death needs forever. And also, he is more than sufficient for your day-to-day needs. You are all around secure in the sufficiency of Christ. And because of this, he is worthy of your surrender. So to wrap up, uh, I'm gonna pray. And I, and I want you to surrender with me. And so just to make a change, either put your arms out, put your arms up, Uh, You can get on your knees. You can stand if you'd like. Go, move, do something. (laughs) Surrender with me in the face of the truth that Jesus is the most sufficient. Father, you are holy, holy, holy. You are Lord God Almighty. You You are so good, and I'm so grateful, and we just praise you. Father, we agree collectively with you that we we have been our own source of sufficiency. We haven't been relying on you. We've been drowning. We've been leaving you behind, Father, and we agree with you that that is sin. And Father, we ask that you forgive us. And Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that we don't have to do anything special to earn it. Thank you that it's just ours right now. Your forgiveness is ours. And I just pray, Father, I pray that you help us in our repentance, in our turning from this. I pray that you pour out your blessing on us, that this week we are made more aware that that you are most sufficient, that this is all about you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for coming and dying on the cross. Thank you for being the sacrificial lamb. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak to you. We just want more of you. We just want more of you. And I pray that even in, in the face of our insecurity, I, I, I pray for the protection of, this, of these people, that the enemy will not touch them, that they will not come away in shame trying to hide that they will not go away boasting that they're better than this, that the only response that we get out of this message is that we just want more of you. That even just now we're like, I think I need to go read the Bible a little bit more because I need to know more about you. That before they go to bed, they're like, I think I, I, think I need to take time to pray because I just need more of him or I'm gonna set my alarm early tomorrow because I just need more of him before the day goes. I pray against shame and regret, any embarrassment. 
I pray against fear. Father, you are more than sufficient and we just want more of you. Thank you, Father. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use this message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.